Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we meet Lady Justice and her death marshals, the elite unit tasked with hunting down Malifaux's resurrectionists and their abominable undead creations. Because in Malifaux, even death is not the end. I hope you enjoy part one of the Death Marshals. The Death Marshals by Brian Emick Sergeant William stood in front of the hotel, the chill wind cutting through his winter uniform. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see a few people on the far side of the street, straining to figure out what was causing the ruckus. I'm telling you, Sergeant, the old man in front of him said. There's one of them there resurrectionists living here. Just a moment, William said. He turned to the corporal beside him. Take two men and barricade this area. I don't think there's much of a problem here, but I don't want things to get out of hand. The corporal nodded and walked off. You were saying? William said as he turned back. Percy Chauncey sighed. Resurrectionist. Here. Room four. I understand that part, sir. What I don't understand is what proof you have. Proof? Going in and out all times of the night. Strange people coming and going all hours of the day. Him carrying strange packages. Percy took a step closer to William's. I tell you, it ain't right. I've been here long enough to spot trouble, and I'm telling you that I've spotted it. Williams took a deep breath. Ordinarily, something like this would have been investigated right away, but Percy had a habit of calling the guild guards on just about anyone that took a room in his boarding house. Williams could recall at least three times in as many months that he had been called out here, waking people up in the middle of the night, only to find that nothing was going on. As he was about to remind Percy of all this, a voice from behind him stopped him. Problem, Sergeant? Williams knew that voice all too well. He turned and snapped off a salute. No, sir, Captain Mordecai. Mr. Chauncey was simply concerned that one of his boarders might be engaging in illegal activities and has requested that we investigate. Captain Mordecai returned the salute, then smiled at the old man. Percy, Mordecai said, extending his hand. The captain's face was clean-shaven, the skin of his cheeks red from the cold. Captain, Percy shook the captain's hand. So, you think that something's going on, Percy? Yes, sir, I do. As Percy launched into his story once again, his voice a bit calmer. William surveyed the growing crowd. Some people were looking at the tableau in front of the boarding house, Others were whispering to their friends, undoubtedly passing along guesses at what was going on. Sergeant, Mordecai said. Williams brought his attention back to the two men. Yes, sir. I think we should go up to the room and take a look. He put a hand on Percy's shoulder. After all, this man has helped us catch a few renegades, haven't you, Percy? Percy's face took on a, oh, shucks look, appearing as if he had bitten into something sour. 
I'm just trying to be a good citizen, Captain. Of course you are. Do you know if the gentleman is still in his room? Percy thought about it for a moment. I think he was there earlier, but he might have left when I went to get the guards. He gave Williams a none too favorable look. Very well, Percy. And what is his name? Horace Winters, Captain. Okay, Percy, we'll look into it. He turned to Williams. Shall we, Sergeant? Williams nodded and followed his captain through the doorway. There really wasn't a foyer to speak of, just a small open space inside the door. The smell of old wood, dust and something rancid that couldn't quite be identified permeated the air. The two men could stand side by side, but there wasn't much room left around them. The stairs to the upper floor were against the right wall. A narrow hallway leading to Percy's room was on the left. Mordecai held out his hand, a key in his palm. He said the room four is on the top floor. Williams took the key and led the way up the stairs. The steps creaked as the two men made their way to the top. At the final landing, a single door, its green paint faded and peeling with a black four painted onto it, greeted them. Williams wasn't aware of how silent it had been until the captain unsheathed his sword. The metallic sound almost caused Williams to jump. He managed to keep his composure, but his head still snapped around at the sound. Mordecai nodded to the door and Williams nodded back. The key slid into the lock and turned easily. With one hand on the hilt of his sword, he turned the doorknob and pushed the door open. The room was dark. The light from the candles in their iron holders on either side of the door barely crossed the threshold. Mordecai grabbed one of the candles and handed it to Williams. The sergeant took it from him and led the way into the room. To their right, a small bed was pushed against the wall, the covers in a bunch in the middle of the bed. The small footlocker sat at the foot of the bed, its metal surface tarnished and covered with dents. Just above the bed was a medium-sized four-pane window, the glass coated in dust. There was a water basin to the left, a ewer on the floor beside it. The mirror above the basin was dirty and smudged. A desk sat against one wall, the top littered with papers. A single candle holder was on one corner of the desk, the candle in it barely an inch high. Williams used the candle he was holding to light it. He went back outside the door and returned his candle to its holder. The men sheathed their swords and began looking around the room, although it was so small that it only took a minute to do so. While Mordecai looked under the bed and searched the footlocker, Williams looked through the papers on the desk. Find anything? Mordecai asked. Not really, sir. A bill from the Borden house? What looks like a bill from the mercantile near here? Mordecai sat down on the only chair in the room. No spellbooks or scrolls for bringing life to the dead. Williams turned and leaned against the desk. No, sir, nothing to indicate that this man is doing anything wrong at all. He paused for a moment, choosing his words carefully. Although he and the captain had become friends over the past four months, Mordecai was still his superior, and he didn't want to breach protocol. Sir, I know I've only been in this district a few months, but why do we always have to investigate every claim he makes, even when he doesn't have any proof? Mordecai sighed. He used to be with the guild many, many years ago. He was just a low-level guard. 
Never got higher than corporal. He retired about five years before the breach reopened. When he heard about it, he volunteered to join the first wave of men coming through. Of course, his request was denied, but he was offered the chance to come over once things settled down. The guild set him up with this boarding house since they figured it would be a good idea to have one of their own in a place like this. He's managed to catch a few renegade entries and even a couple of people practicing their magical arts without permission. Granted, most of the time it doesn't pan out, but he has been helpful. Mordecai stood up and smoothed his uniform. Besides, rumor has it that he's very good friends with the governor general, so I figure it's best to entertain his reports. I see, sir. I will always make an effort to help him. Mordecai smiled. Careful, sergeant. I might start thinking that you're trying to get promoted. Come on, let's go. We'll leave a guard here for the night. That should help keep Percy calm. Williams nodded and blew out the candle on the desk. As he walked out the door, Captain Mordecai reached in to pull the door closed. His hand froze on the knob. Sir, Williams began to say, but Mordecai raised his hand to silence the sergeant. Williams looked at his superior officer with concern. The captain was staring into the darkened room, his eyes narrow. Sorry, sergeant, Mordecai said. I was lost in thought for a moment. Williams looked at Mordecai, wondering if the man had lost his mind. Mordecai held up a finger to his lips. Anyway, I think only one man will be needed outside. After all, it seems that this turned out to be nothing. As he talked, he pointed at the far corner of the room. William squinted against the darkness. For a moment, he was sure that the captain had gone completely insane. Then he saw it, a very thin line of light near the floor. When he looked at Mordecai, the man nodded. He pulled the door shut, slamming it but still holding onto the doorknob. He pointed down the stairs and Williams nodded, understanding immediately what the captain had planned. As he started walking down the stairs, he said, I think I'll be able to spare Corrin, sir. He's still relatively new, but I think he'll be able to handle this duty. He looked back up at the landing. Mordecai nodded. Williams continued down the stairs to the next landing, making sure that his footsteps were heavy without appearing to be intentionally making noise. Once he reached the landing, he turned around and quietly made his way back up. He walked close to the wall to keep the creaking of the wooden steps to a minimum. It took a couple of minutes, but he was soon standing beside the captain. He slowly pulled Mordecai's sword out of its sheath, handed it to him, and then drew his own. He nodded at Mordecai, who nodded back and pushed the door open. The candle on the desk was relit. Standing in the middle of the room was a man about six feet tall. He had long brown hair, a beard, and was dressed only in long johns. Well, well, Mordecai said as he entered the room. His sword pointed at the man. It seems that the room wasn't as deserted as we thought, eh, Sergeant? So it would seem, Captain. Uh, the man said, backing away from the two guild guardsmen. In fact, Mordecai said as he closed the door behind him, I have to wonder why someone would feel the need to hide, perhaps in a secret room, if he wasn't doing anything wrong. Williams moved to the man's right. 
his sword at arm's length as Mordecai took a step towards the room's occupant. The man's dark blue eyes quickly darted between the two guardsmen, his brow furrowed. His fingers worked nervously at the collar of the blue work shirt he held in his hands. Against the wall, Mordecai said. Look, the man finally spoke. I don't know what you're doing here, but this is my room. I'll pay it for it. You have no right to be here. With his free hand, Mordecai pointed at the patch on the left arm of his coat. You see that, mister? That means guild, and that means we can do pretty much whatever we want here. He extended his arm and brought the tip of his sword close to the man's face. Now face the wall. The door to the secret room was still open, and Williams moved towards it. It was small, able to hold one person at best. In the dim light, the sergeant thought he could make out a shelf with a couple of books on it. Once he was certain that no one else was hiding inside, he brought his attention back to the captain and the man, who most likely was Horace Winters. The man had at last complied with Mordecai's order, and now stood facing the wall. The shirt he once held lay crumpled on the floor. Now, Mordecai said, what's your name? Horace Winters, he answered. Okay, Horace, please explain why you were hiding. The man sighed. That man that owns this place likes to come around snooping all the time, so I keep a few things hidden in there. He indicated the secret closet by pointing with his chin. I just happened to be in there when you two came in. Since I didn't know what was going on, I decided to stay in there, just in case. Mordecai seemed to mull that over. Okay, that's possible. The captain relaxed a little. Percy says that you're a resurrectionist. Any truth to that? If there was, do you think I would answer honestly? The man replied. Mordecai frowned. Don't be stupid, and most certainly don't try to be coy. I have no patience for that kind of thing. Well, the man said, I'm not. I'm just here to serve my time and get back Earthside. Well, Horace, Mordecai said, we're going to take you in and have some of our people examine you. If everything checks out, then you'll be free to go. Examine me? His voice had a touch of panic in it. Sure, it's pretty much like the examination you had before coming here, just to make sure that you weren't trying to sneak into Malifaux to get a boost to your power. The man sighed again. Very well. Can I at least get dressed first? Mordecai smiled. Of course. He stepped away from the man, his sword pointed at the floor. Sergeant Williams, please help this man locate some clothing. Yes, sir. As Williams moved towards the footlocker at the end of the bed, Horace grabbed him by the throat and spun him around to face the captain. Words were whispered into his ear, so soft that he couldn't make them out. A second later, his neck exploded, sending a spray of blood across the room that splattered across Mordecai's face and chest. Horace pulled up on William's chin and pushed against his back. With a grunt of effort, he managed to widen the gushing wound in the sergeant's neck. He dropped the body, sending a spray of blood across the floor, and dashed for the small window above the bed. Mordecai recovered as quickly as he could. As Horace jumped on the bed, Mordecai flipped his grip on the sword and held it like a spear. He threw it at Horace, grazing his side. 
The sword hit the far wall and fell to the floor with a clang. The resurrectionist, and he most certainly seemed to be one, jumped through the window, the glass shattering around him. Mordecai ran across the room, jumped on the bed and tried to grab the fleeing man. Horace eluded his grasp and jumped from the narrow ledge just outside the window to a ledge across the narrow alley. Mordecai reached down, retrieved his sword and started to crawl through the window. What stopped him was his ankle getting caught on something. He quickly looked back over his shoulder and into the lifeless eyes of Williams. The dead sergeant had grabbed the captain's ankle, holding it tightly and pulling the leg towards him. Mordecai knew all too well what he had to do. He even had his sword raised for the killing stroke. But he hesitated. He knew this man, or what had once been a man, very well. The struggle in his mind was brief, but painful. He brought his sword down, severing the sergeant's head at the neck. The head rolled along the floor and came to rest in the corner, its nose against the floor. The dead eyes stared at the floor, almost as if the answer for what had just happened could be found there. Mordecai breathed heavily, trying to calm his stomach. It was one thing to dispatch criminals and other unnatural creatures. It was something very different when one of those creatures had been a man under his command just moments before. When he was sure that his stomach wouldn't rebel on him, he turned back around and looked out through the broken window. Even by the moonlight, he could see blood on the opposite ledge. It looked like the rogue resurrectionist had cut himself on the glass when he had jumped through the window. Mordecai's mind suddenly came alive. He jumped from the bed and ran down the stairs, taking them two, three at a time. As he burst through the front door, the people outside turned to look at him. Captain, Percy asked. Sir, one of the guild guards called out and rushed to his side, his eyes wide at the sight of the captain covered in blood. Mordecai's breath came in ragged gasps. Resurrectionist, took off to the east. He grabbed the shoulder of the guard nearest him. Take four men and track him as best as you can. You, he said, pointing at a younger guard. Go get reinforcements. And you, this at a third, standing towards the back of the small group. Go get the marshals. The last guard's eyes widened. He swallowed hard, saluted, and ran off. From where he sat with his back against the wall, Mordecai could hear the sound of the wagon approaching. It was something that he had seen many times before, but for some of the guards, and probably most of the civilians, gathered outside the hotel, it would be their first time. Mordecai didn't move from his spot as the wagon came to a stop ten feet away. It was a plain buckboard wagon, the long seat up front currently occupied by Justice and the judge, the reins in his hands. His goggles covered his eyes and a dark blue bandana covered the lower part of his face. Mordecai had once asked the Governor-General about the bandana. The answer had been, ask him yourself. It was a suggestion that he had never followed up on. The judge's white duster seemed to reflect the light from the street lanterns, looking like a beacon in the darkness. Justice, her eyes covered as always, was on the judge's left. Mordecai often wondered what she would look like without the red bandana that constantly covered her eyes. He imagined she would be even lovelier. 
In the back of the wagon sat three death marshals. Their hats were pulled low over their eyes, and the long coats that they always seemed to be wearing were pulled close around them. Each one sat on top of a coffin, coffins that were dangerous weapons in their hands. Although it was hard to tell, Mordecai thought the marshals were looking over all of the faces of the crowd that had gathered, possibly looking for anyone that might need their special attention. Justice and the judge stepped down from the front of the wagon. The marshals waited in the back. As they approached, Mordecai stood. The pair stopped in front of him. Justice, judge, Mordecai said by way of greeting. Good evening, Captain, Justice said, her voice calm and beautiful. The judge just nodded. It seems. We know, Captain, Justice said, a small smile on her face. Otherwise, we wouldn't be called out in the middle of the night. Although she smiled at him, Mordecai could feel the wave of anger under her voice. It's a real thing. I saw it. His voice hitched on the last word. Where? She asked. Fourth floor. It's the only room. Judge, she said turning her head slightly. Go on up and see what you find. Maybe get an idea of what we're dealing with. The judge nodded and entered the boarding house. Justice stepped closer to the captain. What happened? The wind caught her long, copper-red hair, and it brushed across Mordecai's face. The smell of lilacs came to him. He supposed that they were paid well enough for their services that they could actually afford to bathe on a regular basis, Mordecai cleared his throat. He explained that he had been in the area looking into a break-in at the residence nearby when he happened to walk by the boarding house on his way back to the guard station. He gave the details from when he had arrived in front of the boarding house as best as he could remember, even though the thought of some of them pained him. When he finished, Justice nodded. Was he a good man? She asked. Mordecai nodded. I had asked for his transfer to this district. He was respected among those that he worked with and was able to think on his feet. I had hoped. He stopped and choked back a sob that threatened to escape him. Hoped that he would be able to move up through the ranks, maybe even make captain someday. Justice nodded, her hand moving out to touch his shoulder. I understand, Captain Mordecai. She leaned in close to him. When we find the abomination of a human that did this, I can assure you that you will have the opportunity to spend some time with him before we take him in. Mordecai nodded. Thank you, Justice. You are very welcome. Now, Captain, we have work to do. With that, she entered the boarding house. Mordecai watched her leave and found her ease and grace of movement so natural that he had to remind himself that she was indeed blind. Inside the room, the judge had hunkered down next to the body. The blood had pooled and turned dark. The head was still in the corner, the eyes still open and staring at the floor. Wind blew in through the open window, but it was calm enough that nothing inside the room was being disturbed or blown around. Justice stood just outside the doorway and sniffed the air. Death, she said. Aye, the judge replied. Bodies on the floor here. Heads in the corner, two feet to your left. When he spoke, it actually came out as bodies on the law here. It was an odd manner of speaking that many found hard to understand, 
that she had been with him for so long that she hardly even noticed it anymore. Floor is clear in front of you for about three feet. Window's been broken, just as the captain said. The final part of the sentence was practically spat out. It was a tone of voice that she knew. He admires me, but that is all. I still don't like how he looks at you. You don't like how anyone looks at me, dear heart. She shrugged. I suppose it can't be helped, though. She took two small steps into the room. Papers. Aye. The judge stood up, crossed to the desk and looked through them. Nothing important. To your left, there should be a closet of some kind. Aye. He entered the closet. Small, couple of books here about the dark art. He flipped through the pages, then threw them on the floor next to the body. They'll be burned with the corpse. Window? She asked. Her head constantly moved, taking in every sound and smell. It looks like he jumped to the ledge across the alleyway. Lucky for us, he's bleeding, so he'll be easy to track. Justice nodded, brought her fingers to her lips and whistled. Within moments, the three death marshals stood outside the door, their mouths twisted into devilish grins. There, she said and pointed at the window. Track the blood. We'll follow in the wagon. They didn't make a sound as they moved past her and jumped through the window. Let's go, she said. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for the conclusion of The Death Marshals. <laughs>